Hi everyone, welcome to Frankly, the energy podcast for founders. I'm your host, Siobhan Clark, where I'll be dealing it straight to you from entrepreneurs who have scaled and failed, investors who are passionate and seen it all, and leading tech voices that are looking to build moonshots to change the way we live. Hello, everybody. We are back with another Frankly uh, podcast from BP Launchpad. My name is Steve Cook. I'm one of the operating partners of BP Launchpad. Launchpad is BP's digital business scaling capability, and we have a number of companies in our portfolio. And we're running a, a short series of podcasts where we talk to our CEOs and founders, spend a little bit of time getting to understand a little bit about what they've learned in their journey and what might be relevant to you as listeners. And today, I'm really happy to have with me Bruce Hall from Onyx Insights. Bruce is the CEO at Onyx, and uh, welcome, Bruce. Hi, Stephen, and uh, thank you for that, and welcome to anybody who's listening. So, Bruce, maybe if you could just introduce yourself uh, a little bit for the people, benefit the people who are listening, and uh, a little bit about where you've been in your career. Sure. Hello again, everybody. My name is Bruce. I am the CEO of Onyx. I've been in this role for about five years, um, and we'll, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. Prior to this, I've held a number of roles within energy companies, in sales, marketing, and strategic roles. In operational roles, i.e. where you're having to deliver the prop, uh, the bottom line, or in strategic roles where you're, you're, you're planning the future, essentially. And I've had the, the joy, the benefit, the luck to work in quite a number of different countries over the past uh, 20 odd years. In fact, Steve, it's my 25th anniversary, would you believe, next week. Amazing. So, yeah, congratulations on a quarter of a century with... Uh, uh, well, am, 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 <laughs> amazing. Amazing or frightening, one of those. <laughs> Brilliant. So, tell us really briefly about what uh, what Onyx does. What is the company? What does it do? Sure. Well, we're a, we're a company based in the UK. We have divisions across the world. Uh, but what do we do? We, we do predictive analytics. Now, that's a really fancy uh, title. But let me put it a different way. We do machine healthcare. So, the the, the the machine analogy of human healthcare. Human healthcare. You go to a doctor. Uh, the doctor will look at your various data inputs, whether that be your BMI, pulse rate, whatever, whatever it be. Uh, and the doctor will then give you a, a health recommendation. You know, how, how, how healthy are you? We do the same thing, but we do it for machines and we do it from wind turbines specifically. So what we do is we take data from wind turbines anywhere in the world, from the, from the, the US and the West through to, to, to China, Korea, Japan in the, in the East. Uh, we take that data, we crunch it, um, and we are able to work with our customers and give them a view of the health of their assets pretty much 24-7 around the world. Brilliant. And so, as you say, you're very firmly focused on the uh, wind energy market right now. And I think it's, it's fair to say that the whole of the renewables industry is, is booming right now. So what is it like to be running a company at the heart of that clean energy boom and what do you think the big trends are that you're seeing in the in the market from your vantage point 
Uh, you, well, you're right. The market has gone gone pretty crazy, all for the right reasons. It's essential. Being in in this sector right now is 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 fantastic. It's a great opportunity. There is a there are huge amount amounts of investment coming in. There's a lot of energy. A lot of people want to want, want to join. But I've got to say, of course, of course, without all those huge positives of of investment and optimism, it's not all plain sailing. So you know what we what we have to do. And I mentioned the word essential before. Uh, I think we as a a population, we as humanity, perhaps, have kind of woken up to to, to climate change, and we, we've got we've got to make some changes. And, and maybe COVID was the trigger uh, for that. I don't know. But either way, over the past let's say twenty four months, there's been a, an awakening and understanding that we 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 have some essential tasks in terms of climate change to address. And with that comes some challenges. So you know, what do we do? We do machine uh, healthcare. But what we do, we do for our customers is that they produce electricity. What is happening slowly in the market, although there's, 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 there is huge investment in it, what is also happening in the background is subsidies for those wind farms that were set up in previous years are starting to be withdrawn. And what that means is that, if you like, we are leveling the playing field or the playing field is being leveled for our customers. So what they have to do, what, and we have to help them do, is we have to help them make electricity from wind power more competitive than it is from generating electricity from coal or from gas or from oil. And that's essentially what we're doing. So the, the if you like the older wind farms uh, had subsidies, the latest wind farms that you will see being built these days on television, whether they be onshore or offshore uh, in the sea, for example, those are being built now subsidy free. And in order to do that, the, the wind industry, although it's getting bigger, there's a lot, lot, lot more investment, it's got to run a lot, lot faster. And that's what we're helping our customers do, because they've got to be able to produce electricity cheaper than coal, cheaper than gas, i.e. hydrocarbon based. And the only way they can do that is by having better analytics on their on their turbines, essentially, so they can run them harder, and they can run them more efficiently. And that's what we help them do. I think you make a really important point around the, essentially, what you're talking about is the data-led or, or digital optimization of these wind farms, um, so that they can be competitive without the government subsidies, and that's uh, something which, as you say, is going to be is going to be critical for the future of the of the industry. So, a really important role, I think, that Onyx is playing in the, uh, in the great industry. And could I throw in one more challenge there, Steve? Is yeah. the wind industry is very new, as we all know, and it's you know it's been around in a more mature form. It's been around for about let's say thirty years. But in terms of the practices and the maintenance and the production practices, they aren't as established as more mature energy generation markets such as coal, gas, uh, uh, and others. So what we are doing is we're helping them accelerate some of these operational practices and get them to uh, the highest level possible. And by doing so, what we're, we're doing here, we, we talk about digital here, we're, we're, talk, the, talk, we're talking about challenges about, for example, integrating data. So rather than having data in lots of different data silos across a company, um, which makes decision-making more difficult. If you can start to put the data in one place and make it more readable, make it more understandable, you, we, are making it much more easy for our customers to make choices in terms of how they produce energy and how to do so more efficiently. So for example, I'm looking out of my office here on a nice sunny day with the wind blowing slightly. In this situation, what's happening now is, is, is if you like, power prices, will be relatively low. The wind is blowing. 
So we're producing electricity or our customers are produce, producing electricity around the country. But what is increasingly important is wind because it's an intermittent supply. Okay, you, the wind doesn't blow every day. What you've got to do is you've got to be able to maximize production from your wind farms when electricity prices are high. And those typically are in the in the in the morning when people get up, and they're in uh, the highest probably in the evening time. So this is a challenge that that the renewables has. Now I mentioned the sun is shining, so today there'll be quite a lot of production of electricity. Tomorrow or later this afternoon, it's going to be raining, so that the solar production will drop this afternoon. The issue about renewables, because it's an intermittent supply, you've got an an extra level of complexity in order to be able to produce power when people want it. Yes. Yeah. Great. Okay. So with all of that context and the the growth in the industry, Onyx is growing rapidly with that, which is fantastic. And you've recently um, increased your team to over 100 people. So, but again, I, I guess with that growth in the team and growth in the in the business, that brings that brings challenges too. So, in particular, I'm kind of interested in how you ensure that the team has a consistent culture across the organization and stays cohesive as you grow quite rapidly in terms of your numbers. Yeah, it's a luxury to be able to, to, to bring people in. You talk about cohesive. I, th- I think any, any employee, when they're looking for jobs, and there's, there are quite a selection out there right now, they're looking for, for a purpose. In our case, I think uh, there are a lot of people that, that want to work in renewables. So we've got to be very clear about what we do. We've made some strategic choices, as you know, Steve, is, is, is we're focused entirely on renewables. We could have gone into other areas um, and we've done some, some testing of our technology in other areas, but we've made a choice to focus on renewables. Um, and that gives everybody a very clear idea about where the, comp- uh, where the company is going. And our, in our, our job, in terms of our purpose, is, is to help the energy transition in a little way that we can, a little old onyx, but we're, we're helping. And so, you know, the first point is purpose, but it's got to be followed through with, with, with management action. If people see us diving off and starting to do predictive analytics in the coal market, uh, it probably wouldn't be so attractive a place to work. Uh, so that's at a high level. But then with regard to what you get people in the organization, Steve, is that we make great play on diversity. We've got 110 people. A stat that I'm very proud of is of those 110 people, we've got 25 different nationalities. And that's fantastic. So we've got staff from all four corners of the globe. And that breeds a diversity and interest with across the team. So you're able to look at uh, problems from many, many different angles. We've also improved our gender diversity to 24%. You know, so that's that's the environment people in. And then there's, there's, there's an issue about challenge and development. Um, what we are able to do, we're very lucky uh, to be able to do, bring a lot of very talented people in. Give them a, a, a damn big challenge, something to uh, in a hard nut to crack, so that, so to speak, a big challenge uh, to, to to go after, uh, and let them loose. But at the same time, developing them. So the, the development could be on the job. So you're giving them exposure. Uh, you know, one level. You know, a lot yeah. of our staff have never seen a wind turbine. How do you know? Get them to understand the problem that they're working on rather than you know just doing some coding in the background get them to go and touch and sometimes climb a wind turbine uh, it might be on the job training it might be development or learning a new uh, new coding language or it might be a, a, a marketing program that you bring on or it might be simply putting them on the plane that's when we we're allowed to travel i should say and allow them to go and visit another market and, and grow themselves and one very f- final thing steve is um is to have some fun along the way really important often forgotten. 
absolutely um and uh, yeah should never be forgotten in my view having fun so i mean you talked about about the team and bringing in great talent and you know people may not know this but you're you're headquartered in nottingham in the uk midlands and i'm sure you're going to educate me about why this perception is is way off the mark but at least when i first found that out it wasn't the place that i would first think of as a as a natural hub for the kind of digital clean tech talent that you need in the business. So how is that how has that been being headquartered in Nottingham? Why why are you there and and how how do you find the right talent uh, in in and around Nottingham? Uh, my answer is why not? Um, so yes, you know we're, we're we're based here in the Midlands, and it's maybe not necessarily the first place you would you you would look. But you know people often ask me, you know why why London? Why not London? Why not why not Cambridge? And I, I would say, well, okay, go to London, go to Cambridge. And what you'll find is you'll find a lot of people who are now working there, and guess where they'll be from? They're from Nottingham. They're from the Midlands. Mm. So you know, my, my view here is that there is talent everywhere. If you can provide the challenge uh, and if you can provide the purpose to your earlier question, people will want to work for those companies. I'll, I'll come on to quality of life in, in a second. But, you know, we're here in the Midlands and, you know, the UK is quite a crowded little island. And here we are in the Midlands. I don't know if anybody really knows the geography, but, you know, it's obviously this, it's the centre of the country. You've got a range of different big commercial centers big big cities from to the north you've got you've got sheffield depending on how you want to go up far up got leicester to the south you've got derby and forgive me for all the cities i'm not mentioning right now a lot of very big universities and generated a lot of talent and in addition you know to the counterweight to the argument you know, why nottingham britain's most advanced technology manufacturer is a company called Rolls-Royce and they're 10 miles from our campus here in Nottingham. As it happens, we've recruited some of the best people from Rolls-Royce. They've joined us over the past past few months. Uh, for me, Steve, is, that, is one is you've got to have that critical mass. If we were on, a, on an island in, in Northern Scotland and no disrespect to anybody who lives in, a, in a, on an island in Northern Scotland, but if you've, got, if you've got those major hubs around you, if you've got industry around you where you can attract talent and you build critical mass. An example was Rolls-Royce, or it could be the manufacturers that we use for some of our sensors. If you've got that ar around you, if you've got cities that are interesting to live in and countryside that is pleasant to settle in as well, you've got a ready-made place to, to live. I'm very proud of the fact that we're here in the, in, in the Midlands, and I quite enjoy visiting other companies where they're, they're headquartered in very expensive, very crowded parts of the country and telling them how, what a fantastic place it is to, to live and work here in the Midlands. Great to hear about the ability to attract talent. And as you say, being surrounded actually by a lot of high-tech industry and and also an ecosystem of some of the top universities in the country is very a very good sort of um, feeder pool for you. If you were to give any advice to entrepreneurs that might be listening, would you advise them to think a bit more broadly than London or some of the uh, quotes obvious places? Yes, definitely. I think Britain's universities have a, we, we happen to be on one of the university innovation parks. That's why I probably have mentioned universities mm. several times, but th there is the, obviously the concept of network effects and everybody wants to to either work in you know Cambridge or Oxford or, or, or London. I would encourage people to think twice about that. There's nothing wrong with obviously uh, following that, that route, but there are 
significant alternatives. You've got to pick a location which is attractive for, for customers to come and visit you but, and for staff to, to, uh, to come to, you know, whether that be you know, how they get to work, which is a big issue for, for a lot of our employees. They want to be relatively local or and or for, for the facilities around which the office is based, you know, whether it be housing or parks or you know, leisure facilities mm. and so forth. We've got balance. As always, Steve, there's, there's not one size fits all, but I can see why a lot of companies want to go to London. But I, I just go back to what I said earlier. There's talent everywhere. You know, create the right environment and you'll get it in the Midlands. You'll get it in, you know, in, in Durham. You'll get it in, in Edinburgh. You'll get it anywhere. As proof of that and as proof of the quality of the, the team that you've assembled, Onyx has recently won two UK Queen's Awards for Enterprise. And these those people listening who, who aren't familiar are incredibly prestigious business awards in the UK. And you won one for innovation, one for exports, so one of the very few companies that won two awards. So what does that mean to you and the team? But also, what does it mean for the way in which you can boost your business? I think pride uh, was, was, was obvious. But the more interesting one for me was belief. I think as a small company, maybe based you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a relatively not remote part of the of the country, but if you like, not not centered in the southeast. Uh, there was a belief that you know we were we're a, we're a you know small company doing some some interesting work, but no one's really going to pay us any attention. And so the reason for going for the Queen's Award was essentially to to, to challenge the staff and to show them that yeah, little old Onyx could compete and could get the awards that all the other companies that that we seem to admire get. And the concept came actually, uh, Steve from. Um, it was actually last year in 2020. We were on a trade show in uh, in Japan. I remember it very well, uh, February 2020. And on a trade mission, we saw an, uh, a neighbouring stand where a company, another British company, had a, had a Queen's Award. And we went across and we asked them, you know, what's that about? And they said, oh, we got it for, for this. And immediately we thought, you know, hang on, we could do that. In fact, we can do more than that. So, I mean, I remember uh, very well that afternoon, Korean time, morning UK time, sorry, Japan time, I called our head of advanced census. I said, right, we need we need some of these awards, please, for next year. And uh, the team delivered. So it is that issue about belief. Yeah, yeah, you may be a small company. And this goes back to perhaps your question about, you know, small companies and founders developing. Uh, just because you're small doesn't mean your ideas uh, lack punch. And at that point, we were a smaller company. But we were surprised and delighted to get two Queen's Awards, uh, Steve, and you know that that issue about pride, but belief, you know that that we it's an indicator that yes, this company is is coming of age, and yes, it can compete on the world stage. How is it using? How do we use it? We're using it obviously for marketing materials in the UK. Obviously, it matters a lot. But when we're explaining the Queen's Award to our colleagues in Korea or even our Republican colleagues in in America, uh, it kind of loses a little bit of zing. But um, they get it. Uh, they get the fact that it is an it is an innovation award. It's a UK-based award. It is about it, uh, one is for for exports. I we've competed in the open market. We're growing, so we use it. We use it in our in our marketing material to varying degrees internationally, of course, because it has it has you know more more relevance in Europe than it does in some markets. But I've got to say, the Americans like it too. The Koreans like it too, and we're doing a little roadshow of of that right now across our seven different offices. Brilliant and. So congratulations to to you and the team on that. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll shift a little bit in the in the last bit of this conversation into a couple of things about 
your journey personally thinking about you know you talked about some of the challenges in the industry but obviously the past year or so and and beyond has been incredibly difficult in a number of ways for individuals and for businesses what's what's been your biggest challenge as a ceo over the past year or so would you say well initially it was you know keeping the organization going and keeping the organization connected because uh, and I again we all remember where we were in early 2020 when we're we were all uh, returning to to offices uh, sorry from our offices to home and wondering whether you know how we, the hell we're going to make this this work yeah the issue there was I th- for me anyway is there was a concern that as we stepped away from offices it would be very very difficult what surprised me and delighted me as CEO is how the whole organization took to it as the as the English would say ducks to water it was almost seamless yes we had to make some changes make sure that people had the right equipment and that uh, we ordered and planned our meetings accordingly so the challenge for me was relatively was easy I've got to say relatively easy so a lot of people were going through a lot a lot of a lot of discomfort emotional and and sometimes very close to home for them but we as a company I think weathered it really well because our staff uh, I think maybe because of their approach, they entered into this new working structure almost seamlessly, pretty much seamlessly. So the the only challenge for us was to keep the teams connected. And I'm sure many a company f- faced a similar thing is that as people went started to work from home, what they were doing is they were throwing themselves at their work. And if anything, I, I would imagine, and some of the stats that we know um, prove this is our productivity increased people working longer hours with less distraction the challenge was to leave the staff don't let it let it to be too structured allow the staff to manage themselves and we can do that for 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 a period but as we we're emerging now from lockdown not evenly across the world but yeah. across some of the offices how do we balance that going forward that's the challenge now steve so to answer your question it wasn't so much the challenge then or maybe look at it through slightly different tinted spectacles because we've done it we've mm. achieved it the challenge now is how do we manage that that hybrid approach going forward because remote working we know in fact i was reading a, an article from microsoft here about the the balance of innovation and productivity between working from home and in the office how do we manage that going forward and everybody's got a everybody's got a theory but not many people have lived through a pandemic before so there isn't a there isn't a clear game plan we're kind of learning as we go aren't we yeah, that's for sure. And your view is, I take it, that um, having some time back in the office is definitely the way you want to go for your business. Because And the only reason I bring that up is because obviously there are a number of businesses that have decided that um, they're going to remain, at least for now, fully remote. So what's your take on that for Onyx? I think it depends on what type of business you're you're in. I mean, I think if you're you're in a in a very homogenous business where you know a set of tasks are pretty uniform across the organisation, it's easier to do because everybody has you know tasks to do. It can be defined early, it can be monitored re- relatively clearly, and there's an obvious endpoint. If you're in a a non-homogenous business like like we are, where you've got multiple different teams that are that are working on quite different areas, but they're all interrelated. Value is added from those interfaces between the, the, this you know, heterogeneous set of teams. And it's those interfaces that generate the value. When that's all done remotely, that becomes a little bit more difficult. You miss some of the chance interactions. Now people are re- relying more on asymmetric 
communication technique. So they'll send an IM or an email or maybe a voicemail, et cetera, to convey that particular message. So although that the communication is, is happening, it's not happening in an interactive way. Challenge for the future for Onyx and maybe in other, other companies is how do you get that blend right? Because, you know, pure asymmetric communication techniques, you know, we're all human underneath. And I, I think people like a little more. Most people like a bit of, bit of interaction. So job not done yet, Steve, there, but we're, yeah, that's our, our current sure. challenge. Well, I think there are a huge amount of experiments running on this front and we'll see, I guess, which, which ones unearth the most insights. But um, yeah, good luck with that journey. I guess one of my last questions is around leadership and leadership lessons. Um, you've been a CEO for, for a little while now and in a number of leadership roles, as you said at the beginning. But for aspiring entrepreneurs, aspiring CEOs of small companies, what is a sort of a, a big lesson, a really important lesson that you've picked up that you'd want to pass on? I would say to listen, to listen carefully, but to all members of your your staff, because it's often said that actually sometimes the quietest voice in the room may have the greatest insights. But you know, listening is really important, particularly in an organization that is, you know, as we've already mentioned, that maybe is working from home, there's less interaction of people, or whether whether you're operating in a geographically diverse organization that doesn't have to be you know internationally it could be you've got an office in london you've got you've got a, an office in berry and one in <clears throat> one in one in uh, anglesey you know that that issue about listening and understanding what what your your staff are are going through or their perception of a of a particular a particular problem um, because it's only by getting those range of views that you will uh, you will able be, be able to a understand what the the, the real problem is or what the real issue is, uh, barriers or otherwise, and it's only by listening very carefully and getting those di diverse views will you will you come up with a solution that works for all. I've been I mentioned I've been around a few years. I'm still learning um, here, Steve. But one the one thing that I, what makes my job so interesting is I work with some some great people, and I listen to them every day, uh, and I learn lots from them every day too. Uh, so just just look, just listening, active listening. Brilliant. I uh, couldn't agree with you more about being on a constant learning journey. Final final question. You talked about work life balance earlier. So what do you, what do you do to relax and have fun outside of um, being CEO of of Onyx? I'm really fortunate because I, I've got a job that I really enjoy, as I've already mentioned. Not I won't give any more plaudits to that side of it. But what do I do? Uh, healthy work-life balance. Well, because I enjoy my my job, I don't necessarily have to have walls between you know my 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 personal life and my my home life. But anyway, with regard to home life, what do I do in order to just leave work behind? Because otherwise, it can be it can be all-consuming. Uh, I've got. Two children, um, which uh, take a lot of my time. And if I'm ever getting too full of myself, they will certainly bring me back down to, <laughs> to, to ground level. And sport and activity. I enjoy you know, various different sports. And what I, what, I, what I tend to find is when you, when you do that, you forget about work, you forget about your problems. And when you finish that activity, your problems are still there but you see them in a, in a, in a, in a, in a much different perspective. Uh, and I always find that helps. 
I know you're a highly active, uh, highly active person. So, and uh, Nottingham's countryside hopefully is um, is conducive for that. So great to hear that you do find some time to relax and um, and hopefully build your resilience for the next phase of the journey. So thanks, Bruce, for joining us. Good luck with the next phase of Onyx's journey. And uh, thank you to our colleagues in, in Launchpad for the investment and the faith they put into Onyx. Thanks for your time. Uh, you can follow us on the Frankie podcast. You can follow us on LinkedIn uh, as BP Launchpad. Please do follow us on LinkedIn. Visit bplaunchpad.com and uh, find out more and look forward to the next conversation. Mm-hmm.